Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. I'm Claire. I'm producer Claire. So technically, I'm the boss, guys. <laughs> and I'm not in Amsterdam, and I'm very jealous. Yes, we both are. You know what's a funny thing? What? What? To press record. <laughs> <laughs> recording now i'm so sorry uh the sound are different for me anyway it doesn't matter hello and welcome to the millennial divide this is a podcast about navigating the millennial decade we are two sisters and a very wonderful producer claire this is the second time i'm recording this intro because i didn't press record on the first one so if you're listening to this well done me i actually worked out the software I am Dimity, I'm 27, and I am currently in Amsterdam and living a really um, great life that everyone's jealous of, right? Yeah. So as I said in the original recording, that I am not jealous of your bike safety at the moment, riding around Amsterdam without a helmet. You should be very jealous. I look like a badass. We worked out the other day how I can, like, run and jump onto the back of the bike to get towed across Amsterdam. (laughs) Clever. I am on board with that. I know, Ellen. Look, your hair's probably better than having a helmet. (laughs) Yeah, that's a whole thing. It's a whole thing. I know, but you should be bike conscious and bike safety conscious. No one, I would be so lame if I wore a helmet here. No one would be friends with me and I have very few friends as it stands. And also you're in your 20s and you're living in Europe and you're free and you're childless and you're free and you're childless. (laughs) So do all the things, ride with no helmet on, smoke marijuana in the park, drink wine till 1am and dance before. Like no one's watching. (laughs) Not that I'm saying that once you have children you can't do those things. But you have to schedule it with a babysitter. Yeah. (laughs) Schedule Between breastfeeds. So enjoy. I'm never coming back. I'm in Neverland right now. This is is my, my new life. Hey, Ellen, who are you? I'm Ellen and I'm 33 and I'm the eldest in the podcast studio today, which is very exciting. Mm-hmm. And we I am Claire, yeah. I'm producer Claire, I'm 33 and I am just a little bit younger than Ellen, but not that much. Mm. Still younger. <laughs> today we are looking at the college kids who paid to go into uni. It's actually very controversial. It's something that happened in the US and Claire is going to give us a very good overview of what that actually was all about. I am going to talk about a very great book and it's called Promising Young Women. As always, I haven't finished it yet. I'm just halfway through, but so far so good. And I'm going to review it as best as I can. Ellen, you're going to talk about people being selfish and how that's really shit, right? Or is it? (laughs) That's a question. Keep listening. She'll maybe tell you. (laughs) I'm going to talk about how to travel correctly, i.e. how to travel like me. So that's all about spending wisely and spending big when it matters but not very often. I'll explain that more in a little bit. And Ellen, are you excited? Because finally, up. Amy's not here to, you know, stop your rant. 
I'm going to let you do it. Don't even worry Woo-hoo. about it. You, I'm going to let myself rain. do it because I'm the oldest today. <laughs> That's true. That's true. All right, well, let's get into it. I'm so excited. All right, Claire. College kids paying to go to uni. So really, this has been massively controversial and really kind of, to me, really exciting in a way because it speaks to um, holding powerful, privileged people to account. Mm. So in America recently, Felicity Huffman, who we know from Desperate Housewives, and Laurie Loughlin, who was also on Full House. As Aunt Becky. As Aunt Becky, exactly. Both have been caught up in a scandal recently where at least 50 people have been arrested for paying over $35 million to get their children into elite universities, including Yale, Stanford, Georgetown, UCLA and USC. Nine athletic coaches and 33 parents, most of whom are prominent in law, finance and fashion industries, were charged and dozens were also arrested. It looks like they're also going to face jail time as well. So, as U.S. Attorney Andrew Lelling said in announcing the fraud and conspiracy, the parents are a catalogue of wealth and privilege and power. And it's, to me, it's it's kind of amazing that it's actually come out because it's showing that the justice system, well, I guess, at least in the U.S., is talking to people with that kind of money and saying, actually, that doesn't automatically license you to do whatever you want and mm. get your children straight into uni. I mean, Laurie Lachlan's daughter, Olivia Jade, is a YouTube influencer and she's been caught up in this scandal and is losing sponsorship deals now mm. because of it. And to me, I don't, I'm not sure exactly how long it's been going on for, but I think it's probably something that's been going on for quite a long time, you know, with mm. people who have huge amounts of wealth. And I think particularly in America, there's such a a thing about um, how expensive college is. Mm. Um, In Australia, you know, it is expensive, but you can get a hex debt where it comes off later and it's deducted from your pay. So it's, it's a little bit of a different system. Plus, it's not as expensive as in America. And what I found really interesting about this, the Daily Podcast did a really great analysis of what has actually happened. And they were saying that To get into college in America, there's three doors. There's the front door, which you take admission tests. Um, You could be a legacy. So, you know, your parents have gone there, your grandparents, or you could be a sports star. And all of these get you extra points to get you into that college. There's the back door, which is the legal ways to game the system. So through donations, your parents could build a building and very expensive tutoring to help you write essays and help you do your SATs, the American entrance exams. And now they've discovered a side door, which is the (laughs) illegal way, which is bribing and paying people off. And what they were saying on the daily was that the FBI, for the FBI, it's very clear cut. This is legal. This is not legal. But for these very wealthy parents, if you're paying $100,000 for a tutor over a number of years, to pay $15,000, I'm not saying that, you know, it's still illegal, but to pay $15,000 like Felicity Huffman is alleged to have done to get your child into college, you're like, well, you know, it's less money. So maybe it's it doesn't have the same kind of gravitas that it should as it's an illegal act mm. and that's what's been really interesting in this. Yeah, it's it's interesting because um, this guy called William Rick Singer is kind of the brains behind this scheme mm. 
and the scheme was called the Edge College and Career Network, which sounds <laughs> very legit, doesn't it? But basically what he was doing was obviously relying on bribes, so bribing staff mm. within the universities, um, getting tests taken that were phony, either getting them, um, giving them extra coaching and answers or even getting adjudicators to remark questions that were got wrong by a particular student as right mm. um, or even getting other people to sit the tests. And then they were also doctoring photos. I love this part of it. I think <laughs> So this is for students who they would say, oh, they're in the water polo team and they're going to go in on a water polo scholarship. These kids had never done water polo in their life. So they were doctoring photos of them in a water polo team to be, yeah, you know. which basically meant they photoshopped a, a, like a picture of their face onto someone else's body and, and oh submitted that. Oh, my God, that. it's so brilliant. Extreme. And what it's they were so saying extreme. in the Daily, which is really interesting, is, you know, college they say is the great equaliser and it's what moves people up to different class systems and if you're lower class it helps you move up to middle class. These kids are already so wealthy, they were discussing about, well, what were the parents hoping? And it just seems to be about um, status and about saying, oh, well, my child goes to this university and, you know, we're so proud and all that, which has been, you know, another really interesting part of it. There's lots of layers to this story. Well, even Olivia Jade, who is Laurie Lachlan's daughter, has come out and said she didn't even want to go to university in the first place (laughs) and that she's really angry that her parents pushed her Mm. to go I mean, she's got her own business in her own right. She's mm. got, you know, over a million followers on YouTube. Um, and I did deep dive and watch some of her YouTube videos, which I've never done before, and Jim's laughing as well. And, I mean, no, it's, it's a really so serious fun. business. It's very... It's very serious business. It's mainly a lot of her doing her own makeup and showing her makeup routines and then wearing really expensive um, like designer clothes and uh, talking about how affordable it is for you if you use her discount. <laughs> she doesn't code. need uni. She's worked it out. That's honestly yeah. the modern age equivalent of a business degree. I think yeah. she's doing yeah. it extremely <laughs> correct, well. And that, imagine now her mum forced her to go to uni, bribed officials to get her in, yeah. and now she's lost endorsement deals with yeah. Sephora. <gasps> So and some you know so that's she's lost. It's caused her brand mm. in inverted commas, which is kind of what everything seems to be about now. Mm. A lot of detrimental so interesting. Stuff. Well, I was, was going to say actually this. Um, you said this at the start, Claire, that this has kind of been happening for a little while. And I went on exchange. I was when I was writing these notes. I was like, like four years ago. Nope, seven actually <laughs> seven years ago. I went on exchange, and I went to the University of North Carolina uh, at Chapel Hill, and they had this massive controversy when we got there because they found that two hundred classes had been created. And it was part of this whole scandal where they'd created these classes that were intended to give athletes a free ride. So because um, sports was such a big part of this university culture, uh, they didn't really worry about them actually having to be good academically. Mm-hmm. They just were like, oh, just take this class. It's been specifically created for uh, for you to pass. And we actually, as students, were able to take them as well. And they were great, really fun classes. So <laughs> I'm on board. It probably got me through my degree as well. Mm-hmm. And I, think I, my, I benefited from it. I think my ultimate favourite thing about this whole story is that the FBI called the operation Varsity Blues. 
After the James Van Den Beek movie. Yeah. I just think they must have had so much fun just naming on it. Let's call it Varsity Blues. Yeah, correct. (laughs) Exactly. And I guess also being able to hold all these really wealthy, really powerful Mm. people to account and say it's actually not okay. And what will be interesting is what happens with the sentencing because if Mm. they just get off with a slap on the wrist, then it's just perpetuating that. Wealth allows you to get away with things, I exactly. think, in people's minds. So exactly. it will be, be interesting to see to how be the honest, does it. I would prefer the wealthy people to have a university degree rather than just be wealthy without a university degree. So if we're going to decide, let's just get these kids in, you know, give them that higher level. Do Don't worry about those kids that no. have really worked and missed well, out. That's exactly right. Let's give it to the wealthy kids. There's they have a, life that, skills. Oh, wealthy people teacher. don't have life skills. They don't have anything. Give them a degree. Now I'm going to make you feel really bad. There's a teacher called Jennifer K. Toy who um, was teaching in Oakland and she's actually said that she believes her son Joshua was not admitted to some colleges despite his 4.2 grade average because of these wealthy parents. So when you think about the kids that have worked their guts out, out like what Ellen mm. was saying, as as kind of funny and amusing as it is to see actresses potentially going to jail and be prosecuted, mm. It actually speaks to a whole lot of kids that potentially have worked really hard and missed out just because they don't have the parents with the millions of dollars. Yeah, so how do you feel about that, Dim? Yeah. I'm She's still okay me. with it. I got a free ride. <laughs> Give these rich kids a free ride. I'm trying to be controversial, you guys. I'm host. I'm Amy. I've got to do this, okay? <laughs> just ride with it. Roll with it. All right. So we agree that it's a great thing and that rich people should get a free ride. No, Dim. Or is that what we're, is that where we got to? God. No. Okay. No. Next topic. (laughs) Correct. Exactly. Promising young women (laughs) in a slightly related but different topic entirely. I am reading a book, you guys, and every time I read a book, it's necessary that I tell you that I am reading a book. (laughs) I've actually got the book here that you guys can see on the I saw it on our Insta. I like the cover. How faster I am. I know. You can see that I've actually, I've read stuff. I've got a bookmark in there to prove how how much I've read. It is a book written by Caroline Caroline O'Donoghue and it's her debut novel. I um, I actually picked it up as I was cruising through this Parisian bookstore. It was. I hate you so much. Um, Yeah, I was just like wandering the streets of Paris and anyway, found this book. Um, But it's really good. It's just very well written, first of all. So it's got some really cracker quotes, ones that you, what's it called when you fold down the side of the page? Dog Earmark? Yeah. So I've done that for a few of them. Um, One of them is, this is a quote, we women are taught to make everything we do seem unimportant and most of us buy into it. She puts on a squeaky voice oh, I just do the press releases or, oh, I just have children. It's all bollocks. It really is. Only you determine your asking price. Only you can decide how important you are. (gasps) Deep. I love that. Right? And another good quote, a lot of good people get nowhere because they're afraid of upsetting people. Ellen, I'm looking at you and I for this because I feel like we're in that category. Yes. And Ariana Grande, I still feel bad about that, um, telling, (laughs) telling her that she... It's a bit silly on that song. Um, so it's it's really good. The reviews I had a little look at and they are great. And then about halfway through, apparently it gets really freaky. So as I yeah, one of one of the reviews halfway, I read said it's a modern gothic approach, which I guess is kind of dark. 
ish. But they were saying that it's looking at the kind of gender and age and the other one, sexual asymmetries, which I'm not sure mm, what that I means. What that so means. let it's us know what sexual higher, asymmetries is. It's very clever writing, obviously. It's like a smart person book. Um, but, no, it's, it is very good. And what I'm going to do is finish it because some of the reviews say that it gets magical and, um, like, not set, not grounded in reality or something. So I don't what know. what is the actual storyline? It's about an affair from what I was reading. Oh, yeah, I was meant to do that. Sorry, let me read out. Correct. <laughs> what it's what it's actually about rather than just so far I've got quotes. magical gothic <laughs> empowering feminist sexual asymmetry. I'm so not used to reading books I can't review them very well at all so this is what it's about this is the plot line if I haven't convinced you enough already that you should read this book <laughs> strap yourselves in Jane is an adrift 20-something by day and a world-weary agony aunt by night then at an office party she takes on another role the other woman as Jane's affair with her married and much older boss takes off, she discovers that sex and power go hand in hand and that it's hard to keep your head when you're someone else's dirty little secret. And soon her friendships, her sanity and her life are put in jeopardy. Oh, her Ooh, life. I like that a lot. That sounds fun. Right? I like that. I it sounded terrible voice. before, but now I'm on board. <laughs> And I like that it's not pink, so you don't automatically think this is a book written by a woman about a woman. Like chickly. Exactly. Yeah. You guys, I cannot recommend the first half of this book highly enough. <laughs> I think that you should absolutely get your hands on a get copy. Get to the first Caroline half. Get to the first half yep, and then see yep, how yep. it goes. <laughs> and then okay. let's talk because it could all uh, unravel from here. Keep tuned. Okay, I'll give, an, I'll give the second updated. half of this review next week. <laughs> Okay, that sounds great. You know what? I do really love the whole idea now that women's content isn't just for women and Mm. it's not just women's content. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. You know, I I think that's changing. I think that um, companies are realising, like, for instance, with the incredible film that I saw recently, Captain Marvel, Mm. which Elle reviewed a little while ago, um, which, you know, grossed over a billion dollars and it's the first female superhero movie to do that that, you know, women's content and stuff written by women, starring women. Can actually appeal to I know. men? And be it's amazing. Oh, well, well, you guys. Men are that open-minded. Exactly. And even more importantly, just makes a lot of money. Yeah. So, I mean, really, yeah. and that's in the end what's going to get more stuff out there, yeah. right, too, yeah. if, it, if it sells well. Yeah. And okay. I think it's we've previously business. had this idea that, oh, no, men can't handle that. Let's give them a lot of credit. There's a lot of very open-minded men out there who want to hear those stories, who want to engage in that content. And I think it's a changing of masculinity as well and what that means and that it's okay that if a woman's written a book, you can read it. J.K. Rowling maybe doesn't have to be a J.K. anymore, hopefully. Maybe yeah. she can use her actual name and boys will still read the book. I never thought about that because she also used Robert Gilbraith as like a mm. pseudonym mm-hmm. when she's writing when she was oh. writing her murder mystery novels. Mm. I wonder why she did that. It's yeah. interesting. This is actually a good reason why I should write a book because as Dimity, people often think my name is Dimitri, so it really could go either way. True. I'll sell millions. <laughs> You can write it about um, a 20-something girl riding her bike without a helmet through Amsterdam. <laughs> a 27-year-old year girl who forgot what country she was when we started. 
podcast. All right, well, let us know All how right. it goes next week, Dim. Correct. I will. I will. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. All right, so free solo. Selfish. Maths. Also selfish. Ellen. Why is everyone so selfish? Are you just reading the notes from our WhatsApp topic that I posted? Because as I was getting all my ideas. Yes, correct. Yes. Well, it's more of a question, which is it started from I did watch Free Solo last week, which is amazing. Dimity was raving about it. Everyone's been raving about it. It's a documentary about Alex Honnold, who completed a free solo climb of El Capitan's 900-metre vertical rock face in Yosemite Park in 2017. And when they say vertical, they mean vertical. It is literally up and down. And he did the whole thing in, I think it was three hours and 56 minutes or something, without ropes at all. And you are watching this documentary just holding your breath the whole time. It is amazing. The imagery is beautiful. But anyway, I watched all of that. And throughout it, I was thinking, first, he's a very interesting character. He is very determined. He has a singular vision, which is to scale this mountain. He gets a girlfriend throughout it, and she's obviously very worried about his safety. Um, They interview his mum. She's also very worried about his safety. And his whole way through, he just doesn't waver from his vision and his goal. And he says, anybody could conceivably die on any given day. Soloing just makes it feel much more immediate and present. And at the end of the movie, I thought, well, that's great, but he's kind of selfish. <laughs> like he, he, not kind of, he is. He's really just taking his own thoughts and desires into account and not really being malleable to anybody else's concerns. And then I also watch Married at First Sight, which has been incredible this week. If you haven't jumped on the bandwagon, go back. You have to go back. It's amazing. But on that show, I've noticed that there's this familiar line that keeps getting brought out whenever somebody does some bad behaviour and it's this, it's, you know, I'm here to find love. I'll do whatever it takes. Everyone else just has to deal with that. I'm here to, you know, find my own goal. And it brought me to a question. Is it just a millennial thing that we feel we have to be selfish to realise our goals or has this always happened? And I'm not saying that climbing El Capitan is the same as going unmarried at first sight. but (laughs) (laughs) It's a slightly long boat. Slightly different. But it's this thing of, well, that's my goal and whatever I need to do, get there, I will do. And everyone else just has to suck it up. You know what I think is interesting about this? I I actually do, even though it seems on the outset a really long bow to draw, I totally (laughs) see what you mean because I do, and I do think in order to have 
created something amazing or or done something or achieved a goal, there is an errant, inherent part that is selfish. Mm. I mean, and you see that in great artists, not that maths is necessarily <laughs> great art, but we see that. I'm so history. glad you brought maths into this, Elle. This is just... <laughs> Quality. I've been watching it a lot. Yeah, I love it. Oh, my but, God. But, you know, like often great artists do have to be very selfish and single-minded mm. in order to get the thing done that they want to get done. Mm. And sometimes it's almost that autistic spectrum mm. tunnel vision mm. thing. But I also do think that in the privileged Western society we're living in, which I, I think is kind of the, the world that the people in Starring in Maps are in and, and also Alex is living in that kind of world where he has got that ability to not have to rely on other people. He mm-hmm. can just be selfish because I think if you're living in a community where there is a lot of poverty, where there's less resources, you have to rely on your neighbours. You have yeah. to work together. And I think through human history we've had to do that. But if you're privileged enough, I don't know if I like it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Living in no, a no, sort no, of completely. a society where yeah. you've got enough privilege that you don't have to rely on anyone else and you can yeah. just say stomp on everyone else's me. desires. Yeah. Mm. What do you mm. think? Do you it's mean? interesting. Well, you I, love I tried him. to. Well, you you love climbing. Love and, Alex Honnold. Yeah. No, I love Alex Honnold. Oh, do you? I love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I love Alex Honnold. Um, I tried to do research on this <laughs> to get an understanding um, if millennials are more selfish, and there have been a lot of studies, and some of them. Uh, suggests that, yes, we are more selfish, but they're quite problematic because it's really hard to actually measure that. Mm. And it's also, it depends how you're measuring it. So, you know, the types of words that you're using that imply narcissism versus not. Mm. Anyway, I got very confused and decided it's all too difficult and I can't understand it that way and just decided to go with what I think, which is no, we are not more (laughs) selfish. And the reason is because we have done as millennials a lot of really good things like, you know, all of those climate change rallies and campaigns and activism and yes I know that that's technically the kids that are doing it but their parents helped their parents definitely helped but do you another oh sorry go go. oh I've got more stats because I found one more that proves my point a hefty 84 percent of millennials made a charitable donation in 2014 and 70 70 percent spent at least half hour um, a half hour volunteering. Mm. That's according to the Millennial Impact Report, and it surveyed more than two thousand five hundred millennial employees. Mm. Not me, because in twenty fourteen I didn't volunteer or donate to charity because I couldn't afford it, but others did. <laughs> and good on them. But do you think that's a legitimate <laughs> argument? Do you think it's okay to to be entirely selfish to achieve a goal? And does it matter what the goal is? Because does it matter that Jesse's trying to find love, apparently? And does it matter that he's doing this amazing feat that we're all going to talk about for years to come? Does that change it in your view? I, I, think, I think it's fine. <laughs> I really don't have a problem with it. I, I disagree. I think that if you, I mean, if the goal is, I don't know, curing cancer or, yeah. or even um, on a smaller scale, if it's, I don't know, helping a refugee centre or fundraising. Then they're not they're not selfish goals because both of these are selfish goals. Oh, so what you're saying is is it okay to have a purely self-serving goal that you yeah. you pursue? Yeah. And step on other people and don't 
you know, yeah, think about other, other people, people. As, as you go to achieve it. It's hard, mm. isn't it? Because I had that same conundrum when I watched Free Solo mm. because on one hand I thought the level of skill that Alex had to be mm. able to scale a rock wall with only his fingers <laughs> and toes oh. And and Incredible. it's so high up, and the level of detail he had to he had to un- scale that wall so many times mm. to find the exact right markings and the exact mm. right right spots to put his feet. It's and he's obviously not doing it for anyone else. Mm. And and I guess the selfishness comes in when he got a girlfriend, mm. right? But then. Brett Stevens in the New York Times argued, he said, yes, you know, he could be labelled as selfish, but then isn't his mother or his girlfriend, if they stopped him, they're being selfish because that's fulfilling their need to keep him here and to make sure that he's safe. So I thought, oh, that's another way to look Mm -hmm. at it, that that's them also not saying you obviously really need, which they did. They were very, very supportive, more supportive than I think I would have been. But, you know, it is that whose need gets put first. Yeah, and put first. Yeah, I mean, I think for, I think maybe his mother it's slightly different, but for his girlfriend she knew going in. Yes, yeah, his you know, girlfriend I, think I thought that the same she thing. chose yeah. that. She she understood exactly who he was from the very outset. He was mm. very very clear about this is my goal and mm. nothing's going to stand in my way. Yep. This is the life that I lead. So mm. if you want to come along for the ride, Cool, but I'm not going to be changing the way that I operate yeah. for you. I think he literally said it in those words yeah, too. He's that's fairly <laughs> upfront. In yeah, he's super direct. So, I mean, I have less of an issue with that. Mm. You know, I don't know. I couldn't be his girlfriend though. <laughs> no. I was dying <gasps> on that night watching. Just and watching. you know that he makes it. That's the hard thing. Like they don't even know that he's going to make it in the film and you just, oh, you feel I for know. them. <laughs> the skill, the skill. I Look, ah. Uh, I don't know. I don't, it's a tough one. Mm. I do think it is. Nah, be selfish. I think do it. Because the thing about it is, is that they're not like deliberately hurting or being awful to someone or mean. Well, they are nice. Okay, but that's, come on. Like, I, I don't think his, no. his goal is skill. And I mean, yeah. I haven't watched maths, but I'm, I, I do feel like whenever I've seen a, a portion of maths, I see that kind of Instagram influencer culture mm. where everyone's kind of out for what they can get and mm. and very kind of plastic surgeried and mm. perfect looking and trying to be this kind of I don't know mm. echo chamber of hey, Claire, themselves in their own. Claire, place. guess what? I got to tell you something. Ellen already knows. What? <sighs> I started on, watching maths. <laughs> no, I started oh, watching it. No. I know. And I'm in Amsterdam. So the way that you do it is that you only get the highlights reel through YouTube. Like it's even worse. But I I like it. So oh, good. you I'm need sorry. a job. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, on that admission, let's move along. Oh yeah. my god. Okay, so this next topic is very close to home because it's about what I'm doing right now and pretty much um, validates everything that I have decided to do, which is, as everybody has probably realised by now, the only topics that I want to talk about. So this is an article written in the New York Times called Plan a Careful Budget, Then Get Ready to Splurge, and it's written by Elizabeth Holmes. Not the Theranos Elizabeth Holmes, let's just say. This is the So Many Thoughts Elizabeth Holmes, who I follow because she has so many thoughts about the outfits of 
Megan and Kate Middleton. <laughs> oh, my <laughs> God. You didn't tell me it was that girl. I didn't realise. Yeah, it's that girl. Damn it. That's how you I know about it. But she's regularly mistaken for the other Elizabeth Holmes of the Theranos fame. So just so you know, right. not that one. Different. The other one. Right. So she has written an actually really great quote despite having a ridiculous Instagram account that follows Meghan Markle. Uh, She has written about the way that everybody should travel, which is, so I'll I'll read out a quote, among seasoned travellers, selective splurging, picking the one thing they'll spend big on while saving everywhere else, is a common strategy for getting the most out of a trip. The additional spend doesn't have to be sizable. It could be several thousand on a nice hotel room or $100 or less on a local experience. It's about mindfully choosing to allocate a little extra on one part of the trip to make it easier, more memorable, or more engaging. So, you guys, I did this. This is how I've done what my trip do? so far. Do you want to hear? Yes. So, we saved by renting out a very, very cheap medieval apartment with furniture that was probably close to the medieval decade as well and washed probably around that time as well, last washed. And the toilet smelled mysteriously at times um, after we hadn't, you know, necessarily used it or anything. So there were some issues. We had porridge every single morning and the same sandwich every single day. And then we would cook like three meals and just have that throughout the week. We'd try to freeze them in the shitty freezer that didn't actually freeze stuff. And it's quite miraculous we didn't get food poisoning after that. We brought along our AeroPress and bought one euro big bag of coffee, which tasted like crap, but, you know, (laughs) got us through. And then for two glorious nights, we went to a little uh, village on the coast of Italy and splurged on this really fancy AF hotel that had a buffet breakfast that I ate so much food in, I made myself sick and gained about five kilos in one sitting. Totally worth it, though. Totally re- and we worth did, it. And we did have a long conversation about the joys of a buffet breakfast and Lyndon <sighs> was not on board. Didn't get it. Didn't so much so it. that after every every course that I had, I would send Ellen a photo before and every, after every course and be like, pastries now, pastries finished, on to the muesli. And Ellen, bless her. You I got very excited with because a similar I, love, level of enthusiasm. I love a good buffet breakfast. It gets me through any holiday. <gasps> yeah. Guys, so, oh. do you guys do this? How do you do, do it? Do you do it? No, uh, well, yes, I do. I, I'm not on board with the buffet breakfast anymore. What? what? I know I used to be. But I, 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 I know. I know. No, hang on. Let her explain herself. She's obviously she's got some crazy <laughs> explanation here. It's worth um worth listening to, Claire. Okay, I, it breaks my heart because I've been. It must I, be really good. I, yeah. It must be a really. <laughs> Good explanation. No pressure. All right. So basically I used to love a buffet breakfast. I'm there. Every buffet breakfast ever created. I'm so excited. I'm there. Except what happens to me is there is too many choices. Yeah. And then I end up with like weird little bits of everything on a plate and suddenly I'm having like salami next to croissants next to like a weird yogurt with like rhubarb compote (laughs) with like a bacon thing and then like baked beans and like weird mushrooms in a pot with like a hash brown and then I go back and I have like some kind of crazy seeded toast because I'm like I've never seen that toast before with a condiment (laughs) and then I'm all confused and I end up in like a weird food coma having had like a weird mishmash meal. Okay. (laughs) We need to go do this together because... You have to be strategic with your plates. You have to use a side plate for the pastries. You have to have a bowl for the yogurt and the compote and, you know, that kind of thing. 
and then you need to go for the savoury and then you mm. need to go back to the pastries and put them in your handbag for mm-hmm, your snacks mm-hmm. during the day. Claire, you've got to plan for this. You can't just come into a buffet breakfast and just expect to, like, nail the buffet breakfast. You've got to have a system. You have got to plan. You've got to have your entree sorted, then your middle entree, then your third entree, then your main, then your main dessert. Don't even get me started on the drinks. You need an orange juice. You need a water. No, you you need need a freshly squeezed orange juice. A peppermint. Yeah. And maybe the pineapple juice. Maybe they have a pineapple juice. It's a full couple of hours, so you you have to have to digest. Okay. You have a long time and you need time. Yeah. The important here is time. Yeah. Okay. Oh, Claire. I don't think I felt so upset <laughs> in my whole time. You may have been since you, you may said this. be resurrecting my love yeah. of buffet breakfast because I think I always knew that I loved it. Yeah. But I didn't know how to navigate you it. You don't, yeah. See, this is my luxury because when Dan and I did a European trip a couple of years ago and we had been teaching remote, so we had some money to splurge. And we mm. just pretty much went all out on this holiday, but we did go to this amazing place where we really splurged on this hotel and they literally had a ballroom for a breakfast buffet in Budapest. <gasps> and my goodness, I still dream about it. Like it was a pancake station. It's a beautiful thing. And a waffle a station thing. and an egg station. Ah, oh, dream. So yeah, that's, that's what I really good. on. That's why you need multiple days, don't you? You do. You do. Yeah, so this has gone a really different way than I thought, but I'm quite pleased with it because it's meant that I've got to talk about my love of buffet breakfast. So I'm very wary. We're getting close to running out of time. And Elle, I do not <laughs> want to get your rant, have it miss out again. So we're going to wind this up because I'm ready for your rant. The world is ready for your rant. Oh, the pressure. So this rant actually came about probably a good couple of months ago and I keep trying to throw it in there and... It keeps getting delayed. But it is to do about gendered clothing. And it happened a couple of months ago. I went shopping with my daughter and my husband in particular. We both really try hard, but my husband in particular, we look in both the sections, the boys' sections and the girls' sections of, you know, Target, Kmart, all those kind of very expensive clothes stores because kids grow out of clothes very quickly. And we... As we were scanning them through, I saw that it came up with boys' T-shirt, girls' T-shirt, and it just hit me. It got me really mad. I thought, why in 2019 are we still dividing boys' and girls' clothing? And it just totally blew my mind. I thought if you're, you know, a slightly older girl, my daughter doesn't care at the moment. She's quite young. But if you're a slightly older girl or a slightly older boy and you were feeling like, I want to wear this T-shirt or I want to wear that T-shirt, why can't you just wear anything and not have to have a boys or girls label? And they are different clothing. You know, girls' shorts are quite a bit shorter, even when they're toddler sizes. The boys' shorts are kind of hanging around the knees. So, you know, the girls always have lots more frills and unicorns and the boys have, you know, very, I'm tough, I'm strong. If you're a boy that loves unicorns, you should be able to wear it that. That's great. So, you know, I got really frustrated at this and I just thought, are we over this already? But then as I kind of also am dressing my daughter, I've realized I also get frustrated myself because if I do dress her in those clothes that do look traditionally boy-like, I do find myself kind of saying, oh, darling, do you want to wear your sparkly shoes with it? And I'm, I hate myself for it because I shouldn't care. 
And I've spoken to some other friends who are really enlightened and they really think about gender and all of these issues and they've both um, had girls first and they're, you know, either about to have a boy or might be having a boy next. And they've both said, oh, look, I don't know if I would put my little boy in a pink onesie and or a purple one. And I, I understand that, but we should be able to. So my rant just this turned on myself. This is such a typical... <laughs> Ellen rant. I love it. It's such a well-argued rant, isn't it? I was arguing myself. It's what I go in my head. This. Oh, my God. It's so good. It's like I'm really mad, but when I actually think about it from both sides, it's kind of like it's really fair and reasonable and, you know, I can really understand this other point of view and, you know, actually I'm part of the problem. So I don't know where that leaves us. No, uh, I am mad about the shops. I think get rid of the boys and girls sections. We don't need it. It's archaic and I think once we kind of do that, all our thinking will change on it. But I think it's also an internal thing that we all have to change within ourselves and continually question about it. Mm. I, I definitely, and we get given quite a lot of clothes and we're very lucky that we do, but they often do have things on them that say, I'm so tough, yeah. I'm a boy, rah, yeah. dinosaurs, <laughs> rah. Yeah. Except, and my son always loves those ones. Like yeah, they're the ones I that know. he gravitates towards. And so I'm constantly in this thing where I will buy sort of, Clothes that are much more gender neutral, mm. but not. I wouldn't necessarily buy a pink yeah. T-shirt unless. Yep. Though we did buy Peppa Pig um, pajamas that were pink yep. the other day, and he does have a frozen drink bottle that's pink which he's very he, proud of. He loves it. Baby's he loves it because he chose that. Yep. So I often let him choose things, but I, I do agree. It's that, yeah. We, you don't want to be pigeonholing kids. No, you don't. And I want to let no. them wear whatever they want to wear. Yeah, and what's comfortable and yeah. what they're able to move in. Yes, that's my biggest thing. Yeah. Though I have noticed, Elle, that your girl loves the pink sparkly She stuff loves as well. it. And I don't, I don't think that that was you. She, from the start, was like, I want a handbag. Like yeah. she was remarkable yeah. just how early that kind of stuff started to appear. And she is the least gendered, she has the least gendered parent parenting I've ever seen. <laughs> I have a limited experience, sure, but. I, I think there's some people in the outer suburbs who probably do a lot more less gendered parenting, but we do really try. We do really try to be not, I'm not saying that, you know, we're gender fluid and she's not a, you know, I understand she's a girl. That's my belief. And I know some people, you know, recently have been kind of jumping on that, that there's no gender. i I do see that she's a girl and obviously all of that that goes with it. But we do try to keep our language very um, open and um, not gendered and we try to give her choice in what she wants to wear and give her, you know, options and all of that. So I think it's just it's parenting's tough, man. God, I'm two years in, far out. (laughs) I feel like with parenting, there's too much to think about. Oh, so much. It's too much. And sometimes I feel like I wish I could just be a bit more not thinking. Yeah. And I was was speaking to my in-laws about that last week and I was saying, what's different about parenting nowadays? And they said, you you guys think about so much stuff and we just didn't and you tie yourself up in knots about it and really, you know, which I think is, good but it's also tiring <laughs> yeah it is and which the proof's in the pudding right we'll see what our kids turn out yeah. whether they're just like more neurotic and 
worried about stuff. And and, um, as a side note, thank off. you so much. Thank you so much for doing this before I have kids so I can make my kid the best of them all. <laughs> You're Appreciate welcome. It. <laughs> Correct. Enjoy your freedom in Amsterdam, Dim, before it all comes <laughs> crashing down. And we will be very smug. <laughs> smug parents. All right. Well, this has been the Millennial Divide. Thank you so much for listening. We appreciate it. Wherever you, wherever in the world you are listening from, if you've liked what you've heard, you can actually listen to this for free, you guys. Did you know that? Did you know it's absolutely oh free in Apple Podcasts or Acast or wherever you get your podcast? It's free. It's amazing. You can, and actually, you really should rate and review us because we really like to read it. And even constructive criticism, when written in a way that's just like, you're great. We love that, don't we? It's I love that kind of constructive feedback. We also love to hear from you. We have an email address, the millennial divide, two L's, two N's at gmail.com. Uh, don't forget to follow us on all the socials at the millennial divide on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, everywhere. Thank you so much to our wonderful producer, Claire, as always, for stepping in and just being wonderful. I think I've called you wonderful about six times this <laughs> I down. Is. So if you didn't believe it. <laughs> and as always, Collings, thank you for editing the crap out of everything and all of our. Making us sound semi professional. <sighs> You're a brilliant, brilliant person. We'll catch you next week. Catch you next week. Okay, bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.